Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender. If you work in HR or make people decisions in your organization, this is the place to be. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Here we are yet again. Must be Wednesday. Must be the bartender. And what are we? We are episode, what, 56? 56. Lord. I know, and it's almost October. We've been doing this since March, and I love every every single Wednesday and each and every one of you. Today, we have a special guest. We have Jen Thurman. Wave Jen, say hello. Hello. <laughs> and we're gonna be we're gonna be chatting with Jen about all sorts of things from transitioning to transcendence. It's gonna be a really deep conversation. She's got a lot to say, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be elevated, um, not deep. Elevated. Oh, all right. See what I did there? I see what you <laughs> Wordplay. Like <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, let's get right on into it, guys. Um, today's, today's HR news, I was just clipping some articles over the last couple of days, and there were a few that stood out to me. This one I thought was really interesting. It was a, uh, a survey done in Canada about how COVID has redefined the role of HR. And it's really interesting. Like if you look at those, those uh, topic areas listed, um, not the typical ones that we're used to seeing, but the thing <laughs> that I thought the most funny was the, the sub headline there. While HR professionals report new challenges during the pandemic, many Canadians remain unaware of HR's role. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, some things will never, ever change. Um, you know, we, but it's also not always a bad thing. <laughs> it's true. And, and, I, and I say that actually seriously in addition to the obvious tongue-in-cheek, but HR can be a lot like IT when it sucks everybody knows and complains about it. Mm -hmm. If you're doing your thing, it's like, oh. I, I don't even notice you. I don't even know what they're doing. I just know it feels good to work here. Right. right. So there are some good things about that. If you want to be a glass half full person. Uh, that's, not, that's not my jam, Laurel. We've already established well, that's not Eric. <laughs> it's not usually mine either, but I had opened the drawer looking for my empathy earlier this week, and, and it's still out of the drawer. So wow. I just thought I'd share it. Empathetic Laurel Ditson. We should mark this day down on the calendar. It's so what happens day. when you have to go to a Zoom funeral. Oh, wow. <laughs> my second one. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Not that's pretty. crazy. You know, that's funny because I've thought about, you know, weddings and proms and all these other sort of Zoom events. That's one that's never really even occurred to me. Um, I'm sorry you had to do that. Yeah. Well, the good news is they don't take the camera up to the casket. So. Oh. <laughs> it could have been suppose, a lot worse. I suppose you could put a GoPro, right? <laughs> on, on, uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it because I could have too much fun with that. You Thanks, know, if Laurel. I die during this, if I die during this, do that. Yeah, I think, well, if you die during this, we're putting the GoPro on you and we'll all look in at you. 
<laughs> oh gosh, it's the first time I've seen her with her mouth shut. No. <laughs> so this was way pre-COVID, but my dad, when his mom died, um, I couldn't go to the funeral. And I asked him how she looked because she had an open casket. And he goes, well, didn't you look at the pictures I sent you? <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> he took pictures of her in the casket, texted them to me. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So so you come by this naturally then, Jenny, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Apple doesn't fall far. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I I do too, because when my mom died, again, long time ago, my dad had her cremated. He wanted my brother to take care of the ashes. They lived not far from each other, but my brother's kids were young. And he said, I can't. I cannot explain why this box thing is grandma in the backseat <laughs> of the car. I, I just can't go there. So dad said, okay, that's fine. Cause it was going to be a few weeks before the funeral. He said, I'll, I'll keep her. Well, he kept her in the car. Uh -oh. And so for weeks I, I talked to him and how you doing dad? Oh, good. I took, took your mom to the grocery store, <laughs> took your mom out for her. So I said, please tell me you're not taking her out of the car. He said, oh no, <laughs> no. But she said the car was fine and she's been out more in the last month than she has in the last <laughs> two years. So, you you gotta lighten it up sometimes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, welcome to the macabre bartender, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you need to edit that part out. <laughs> oh, well, it's funny, right? And it, it's it's relevant to this next headline, right? We've been talking about about this you know, pending mental health crisis. And it was just interesting to see the, the head of HR from Microsoft talking about the costs uh, on the organization that are outside of just money, um, just with this, this, this overwhelming, you know, just sort of level of, of perpetual anxiety and uncertainty that we've been dealing with for six months and looks to be continuing on into, you know, the most of next year. Uh, I posted a, an article over in uh, the Bartender Network today. My my favorite place on on planet Earth, the Metropolitan Opera in New York City, has decided to forego next year. So, yeah, that really bummed me out and made today seem like a completely suck ass day. Uh, just the the implications of that and the the signal that that is to, you know, all the things that, that we like to do around other people in public. Uh, it was just a, a, a really heavy hitting realization that shit ain't going to be normal anytime soon. Um, these last two articles here, just a couple of surveys. And again, I'll put all the links on the network uh, like we do. I thought this was interesting. Employers fear they're not meeting working parents' needs, right? That's been a, a frequent topic here. The school situation, the folks with, with younger children, school-age children, um, and trying to, trying to work, right? You know, we've had folks in our client circles, uh, you know, call us up in, in tears asking the question, when, when am I supposed to work? When am I supposed to do my, my stuff? Right. Um, and, and, do I get to sleep or is that off? Sleep is sleep done. Um, 
and it's interesting, I think, that companies are paying attention and struggling, right? I mean, we had a whole episode where all we did essentially was commiserate on the fact we didn't know what the hell to do to solve that problem. Um, and I've said it before, I say it again, I, I think it's the most complicated tactical problem to solve during this, this pandemic. And then lastly, um, another frequent topic here, just the, uh, the, the hybrid work, the, the work from home, the distributed teams. Um, you know, we've said Genie's out of the bottle for five of the six months now, and, and it looks like it's, that's coming home to roost, right? It's, it's going to be a thing. I don't think uh, going back to the way it used to be will look anything like it used to look. So, today's optimistic headlines, followed by uh, following up on on Laurel's distanced funeral story. It's it's a good day here. Happy Wednesday, everybody. So let's talk. Let's talk transformation. Let's talk transcending. Let's talk making big changes. And yeah, today's... don't make my segue any freaking harder, Eric. <laughs> Thanks for well, that. See, I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you some fodder because I'm gonna ask okay, the awesome. group here. I'm going to ask the group, what sort of transformational experiences or changes have you had during these COVID times? You know, um, I think to just what I spend my time doing every day, and it it is 100% different than how I spent the majority of my time, uh, you know, back in February. Um, and there's been a lot of goodness there, right? I, we, we've we've done a lot in the way of of you know virtual delivery and content creation, and I got you knuckleheads to hang out with now. Um, and it's just it's a thing that I wouldn't have even I wouldn't have even been able to to dream up in my in my brain back in January. I would have never invested the time. I would have never built the skills or bought the gear or did any of that stuff uh, unless I had to. And it's been pretty amazing. Ruby and I talk about this all the time. We, we look back on the last six months and it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. The things that, that we've gotten to do and the people that we've gotten to meet and hang out with. I mean, Morag and I interviewed Marshall Goldsmith for our new book the other day. That was bananas. That was crazy, right? And it's just a thing that would have would have never happened except for the situation that we find ourselves in. So I don't know. What about you guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one of those HR professionals that always felt like I had to be in the office in order to, to actually be effective. And this has proven me wrong, actually. And I'm a convert to remote working now. So um, while I do miss the face-to-face interactions and running into people in the hall and, and actually can't wait to getting back to that in some way, shape, or form, I don't think I could go back to work honestly, um, in the office a hundred percent if I don't have to, you know, so yeah, it's changed my perspective, you know, um, because I, and there were a lot of leaders in our organization that felt that way, who are actually talking different tones right now. And so it's, it's actually allowed for the conversation to 
happen that, you know, the way we used to do it is not necessarily the right way or the only way. So <laughs> I, I really believe that um, we're going to look a little different next year. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting, right? And we're seeing that as well. We were uh, working with a, a, an engineering client recently and the CEO, you know, he's a 60 something year old, hardcore, you know, electrical engineer and uh, was a firm believer in uh, you're only productive if your butt's in the seat at eight and stays there until five. And even he is like, I don't know, this, this thing's not as bad as I thought. It's working out a little bit better than I expected it to. Awesome. Thanks, Yvonne. I have Who one else? that's a little bit different, not necessarily work related, but when yeah. the whole thing first started, I remember thinking like, I've always tried to be so like planful and, um, you know, like routine and all that kind of stuff. And when this shifted and everything, and it, it was just so surreal because we were in the office one Friday and then like over the weekend, everything completely shifted. And I remember just having this like huge realization that nothing is what it seems, you know, like we all think we have so much control over things, but really one little thing could send everything out of control. Right. And the things we yeah. have control over now are the same things we had control of before, but we didn't realize it. Control. Right. Yeah. Using that word yeah. loosely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was kind of freeing. And I, I mean, it's also annoying, right. But it's, it's also kind of freeing. Cause it's like, you know what, there's only so much you can do or so much you can plan for or whatever. So Jenny, you started with, um, with sort of the premise that you liked your plans and routines, what happened to them? Um, well, I mean, I still struggle because I've had to, sh I've had to shift them. And, you know, I, I was one of those people I traveled for work and every time I would travel, I'd be like, okay, I have to, you know, I made it, I figured it out. Like I had, but I had to have a new routine for when I traveled. And so I just have to have a new routine for every shift that happens or else I just feel like out of control. Right. So, um, I'm very much, if I, if I find myself getting out of the a place where I have the routine that I do every day or whatever, I have to like put something in place, but they've shifted for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. makes sense. Thanks. Interesting. Hey, Mark, say, say a little bit more about shrinking distance and conference calls to more personalized conversations. Well, the, uh, I think the benefit of the Zoom go to meeting, whatever has a video conferencing to it, really kind of brings in a little bit more of the personality. I mean, even earlier, uh, someone had mentioned about Lori's background, how beautiful the, uh, you know, the golden aspens looked. And obviously, people can tell I like golf, uh, you know, behind my backdrop. And even the other day when I was doing a coaching session, I actually had a hard time because I didn't know exactly when that person was done. And so I would start to say something and all of a sudden they jump in and, you know, uh, one of the, the folks I've worked with, they said, you know, when you're live and in person, you can actually see the magic in their eyes when you say something and it lights them up. And that's a great picture of Ward behind you too, <laughs> uh, Eric. So, I mean, we would have never seen that if I was just on the conference call. So, <laughs> so I think trying to use... <laughs> Trying to use my uh, best positivity, uh, you know, that's one of those things. And I think that's always been, you know, a real positive right now. 
coming from this, even though it's also created a lot more heartache for folks. Yeah, you, you know, it's it's upside downside, right? And we've we've talked about that here before as well. You know, when we used to do remote meetings, we did our best to protect this little square. This was the business square. Um, and over the last six months, we just we haven't been able to do that, and we've had to sort of break that break that that business wall down. Um, so upside is to your point, Mark. We've we've learned more about people as human beings. You know, if, if you and I worked together in the past, and I knew you had kids, that that's a concept, right? I get that. Mm -hmm. But to see, you know, your three year old bouncing off the couch behind you is a whole different experience. And and it takes my you know my empathy for your situation to a whole different place. Uh, you know, when somebody's cat kind of puts its head in and looks <laughs> looks down at you, it it, it changes the nature of the, of the conversation. Uh, so yeah, while it's never going to be uh, you know the same as being in the same room with actual human beings and being able to to feel that energy, um, there are some upsides to. You know, th think about when when we did uh, video conferences or or got on a platform that had video back. I don't know last fall. I would say that most people did it like this. This is how we did video conferences, right? It was just an audio conferencing call over the internet, and now we're all used to it. Even if we hate what we see in the picture, we turn the camera on and we we show up. So I think that's a great point. Thank you. All right, Laura's chatted in something. Laura, Laura, why don't you talk about yours? You said it's been a doozy. A doozy. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just thinking that, like, you know, I think it's just so fascinating to think that COVID is really just a layer, right? Because we've all got whatever else was going on anyway, whether that's parental stuff or divorces or marriages or caring for your elderly parents, whatever it is, yeah. this is just a really big layer. So it's not like that other stuff went away. So for me, I think it's just, um, you know, getting full transparency because you know me, I'll tell you anything. I'm going into my 49th <laughs> birthday in December and something about late forties, like, holy cow, I'm getting close to 50. It's like the whole midlife crisis. Why am I here? Existential questions, you know, and am I doing the right thing? Am I living into my values? My coach in my head is, you know, asking me myself questions all the time. And then I also lost my mother last June. And so just this whole year of grief, that first year is just brutal, right? And she's my last parent. And we also lost my mother-in-law right before that. So I think there's like this whole, eeg, we're also not only am I approaching 50, but we're the last generation, right? Like everybody else before us is gone. So it's just that, that realization of like, then you add COVID and it's like, holy crap, no, really, you get one life. This is it. What are you going to do with it? And so I already preach that and I try to coach it, you know, in myself and in my clients, but I'm feeling it in the gut, like deep mm. right now. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, I just feel like hopefully it's accelerating my learning and my decision-making because it's, it's right in front of your face, right? There's, there's no escaping it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that, Laura. Yeah. It's, that is a doozy. Uh, it's and, a doozy. And, and, you know, it's funny. I, I had my 50th birthday a few weeks ago and I totally understand <laughs> the, the, the existential weight um, <laughs> 
that comes with that. And, you know, I think that that comes with that in, in any time when you reach mm -hmm. one of those milestone birthdays, you know, the one with the zero at the end of it usually. Um, but to hit one of those during these times, you know, I remember back in the, in the, in the spring, I thought, oh man, it must suck to be a senior in high school and graduating during COVID times. That sucks just as bad turning 50 during COVID <laughs> times. That's right. <laughs> I will say to the group, it was funny. I was telling Eric one day that um, I had gone to the dermatologist and she was talking about how her um, uh, client load has just grown exponentially because we're all looking at ourselves on camera. You were just talking about that, Eric, how we're all looking at ourselves. So she was talking about how, you know, her business has actually boomed because everybody's looking at themselves on camera all day and like, oh man, I got to get this done and that done. So I guess somebody's thriving. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll notice Miss Chapin says this with her camera off, by the way. Uh yeah. <laughs> That's right. I have my same old excuse. I started meetings at six o'clock and you know, I'll take a shower at five. <laughs> Peace on that. Peace on that. All right. Anybody else have transformational story over the last six months? We had a meeting with our, a lunch, just a get together of our women's group. Uh, and there were about 20 women on there and uh, just asked this basic question of what's different uh, and good different or bad different. And more than two thirds, maybe three fourths of the women on that call said, I am more of an introvert than I ever thought. It is nice to have time for me and not have to worry about what I'm wearing, where I am, what I'm doing, and spending more time with family. It was fascinating because there were just a couple who said, oh, wow, I really missed the office interaction. It, it was a fascinating conversation and what everybody seemed to be focusing on was, uh, I really do live with someone else, maybe several <laughs> someone else's. And for the most part, they were all still married. And, you know, they, they liked the people they were living with. But it was, hey, my conversations with my kids are so different now. So different, yeah. And it's not just hurry up, eat dinner, was school okay, good, just nod and chew and move right. on with your life. And yeah. people were really appreciating that we were forced to slow down a little bit. Mm -hmm. I heard somebody, somebody, uh, some podcast I was listening to, they, they characterized this as, as the great pause. And I like that. I thought that was really interesting. And essentially the point that they were making is exactly the one that you're making. And it, it made me think too, right, about my own kids, right? My youngest daughter and I have been writing and recording music together, which we would have never done because the pace of life would have dictated that that was impossible, right? Between me traveling and being where I needed to be and her being where she needed to be, it, there just wasn't enough time. So that's a great point. Great call out, Laura. Thank you. All right. Uh, Lehigh, you, you had unmuted there for a second. 
Oh, you saw that. I was going to say, uh, without COVID, I don't think I would have bought a house and got a puppy. So not work-related, but that's been pretty transformational in my life, for sure. kind of gave me that push of uh, goals that I've been wanting to do. Um, she is currently sleeping and cuddling her dino. So <laughs> I hate to wake the beast because that will mean that we immediately have to go potty outside. <laughs> Well, you know, I, lo- <laughs> <Ruby>. <laughs> I love a puppy now. <laughs> I'll see if oh, I can. Dear. I'll see if I can get her on before we before we end. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I love all these comments, and what I really love about them is that. Everybody called out some things that were not work related. Um, and it was funny because it seemed like people had to qualify that or make an excuse for that. And, you know, it's just, it's life. There is no, there is no delta between work and life. It's just life. And that's one of the things I love about Jen and her approach towards coaching folks. You know, I've had the privilege of knowing Jen. Jen, I just calculated, I just did the math. I've known you for 13 years, which is wow. bananas to me. That is bananas. <laughs> We're not um, that old. We're just not I'm, that old. I know. <laughs> but but Jen's approach to coaching is 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 a more holistic, life-oriented approach. It's not just about it's not just about, you know, elevating your career. Um, and, and I'm sure she'll mention this too. Jen, Jen used to, to focus on high-performing professionals. That was, that was her, her niche focus. Um, and, and I was listening to her podcast the other day and, and appreciating her new appreciation for the type Bs of the world. And I think, I think the, the great pause here has, has, um, has let some of those type Bs come, come out of the, out of the closet. Um, Jen's approach to coaching is 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 about simplifying things. It's about it's about adapting to the nuances of circumstances, um, and I love that she uses the word transcend in her branding, because that's where we are. That's life in in 2020. We have a choice, um, and to be able to work with somebody that a espouses that mindset and b just gets it is is a gift. So. Jen, welcome to Thank the corporate you. bartender. Welcome to the crazy crew. This Randy bunch of knuckleheads who will say anything. <laughs> Not sure about the Randy part, but I really like the weirdo part and the knuckleheads part. I love that. No, thank you very much. I've um, I've been sort of catching up on what you guys do here, and it seems like a really fun community. Um, one of the things I wrote down when you guys were all were talking was. Um, you know, the things that have changed for all of us is how we spend our time and where we spend our time. Um, you know, virtual delivery of so much of our connection. Um, but I added on there community and new spaces. Um, I, this for me has, for this introvert has been really nice because um, by necessity, people have brought their communities to my office right? And I'm able to access that from or gain access to those communities um, from here. And so I'm just really grateful to be here and be a part of this one today. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Why don't you tell us a little bit about 
about who you are, your background, your your leadership journey, your story arc, including any weird or unusual jobs that you might have had or clients that you might have had. Um, all right. So, um, like many coaches, I who coach um, folks in the corporate world, I came from the corporate world. Um, uh, the unusual things about me is I kind of did my life a little bit inside out. Not, I did not go linear the way that people think of traditional life. Um, I started college one year of college, um, and then found myself with child at age 19. Um, and, and, um, made some choices and had a baby. Um, and so, uh, it really inside out. So I had the kids, I, I was going through school, then I got married, um, then, um, had some jobs, then I had another baby, then I got my nose pierced once I graduated from college because I felt legitimate and like I could do that finally. And I wasn't a 12 year old, you know, trying to pretend, um, and, and, you know, then, then I worked my way through, um, some, some corporate experiences that were really formative and really exciting. Um, this is where I met Morag and Eric and Stacy. Um, and, and, you know, so, so that's sort of like, I'm, I'm really an open book. Um, I, I've made things work in my life. Um, and, you know, despite being a teen mom have, two degrees and I had a really good career, um, which I dumped, uh, about three <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and, and, and what prompted that big transcendental shift in your life? <laughs> um, this is really where the transition and, and transformation and transcendence comes in for me. Um, like so many, uh, people in their mid forties, um, I was in my early forties at the time, um, life experience can rock you pretty hard. Um, and my, my younger brother, I'm the oldest of five, um, two sets of us, different dads, but, um, my younger brother, Justin died of an accidental overdose, um, in 2016. Yikes. And he had been such a, um, he was just a, an out loud work in progress. He had been sober for seven years um, he had just moved a year uh, before that to to Boulder. Um, was had ditched his own background in law to become a restaurant owner and was working his way up through the ranks in some fine dining restaurants. He was um, working at Frasca at the time. Um, those of you from Boulder will know that restaurant. Um, so he landed that gig and and was um, just kind it's a of big deal gig. It's a big, it was a big deal gig. Yeah. yeah. Um, with tons of potential and his dream was to open a farm to table, um, you know, relapse and, you know, we're fully, uh, uh, following the opioid crisis because that was his, his deal. Um, and as, as is, um, sadly common, um, when he did have that relapse and slip, he, um, he overdosed. So, I, you know, I share that now without any um, sort of, you know, sort of like drama slam because it's just part of my fa the fa fabric of my story. But what what my brother did for me during the year that he was here and the couple of years before that was just share his journey of of getting 
getting out of all of his old stories, untangling this sort of cobbled together web of uh, acceptable kind of norms Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, what he, you're supposed to do, Yeah, what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. what your life is supposed to look like. And, you know, for him, it was all entangled with addiction and trying to kind of cover up that, that part of him. But also, you know, he was this brilliant guy and he was supposed to be something. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the idea of law, he loved arguing. Don't get me wrong. He was a great arguer, <laughs> but the idea of practice as are most law, little brothers, really. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of practicing law just drained him, mm-hmm. and and so coming to that point in his life, in his sobriety and his self exploration, to say that's a sunk cost. Like mm. I'm th- there's I, I'm just gonna throw good money after bad if I continue to go there. And so yeah, at the ripe old age of 35. I'm going to shift my life and take my kids in a completely different direction because that's what my soul is calling me to do. It's a ballsy move. Ballsy move. And, you know, as the big sister, I was always like, you know, be practical and exercise (laughs) more and stop drinking and you should get a job. Right. So, so after, some of the grieving started to pass and, you know, there's a lot more story here, which I won't, I won't belabor the point, but, um, I, I looked around in my life and I said, I have been, um, I've been muscling through. I have, I have sort of stumbled into this career that, that I'm really good at. That's easy for me to do. And if anybody's um, read Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap, I was really operating in a zone of excellence that was sort of easy, but not very fulfilling for me. The other thing was I had this series of, of incredibly inept people leaders. And it, it was the same person over and over and over and over and over again. And, and, I realized I'm choosing them. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing that? What lesson am I trying to teach myself here? And, and what do I need to do? So I hired myself a coach. I, I plunked down $35,000 um, and, and you know, took my coach by the lapels. And I said, I, I need to know what I want to be when I grow up because I don't want to just do all the supposed tos. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that this career path is a sunk cost, but I know it's not lighting my soul on fire. Um, so through discernment and, you know, really getting in touch with my values, my strengths, what lit me up, I, it took me a couple of months, but I said, I'm going to do this. I'd always kind of fancied myself a therapist, but I didn't want to deal in that kind of dysfunction. I just have such a tender <laughs> heart. Like I can't, I mean, oh, the so, truth is, so you chose corporate America, which is no dysfunction <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because what I sort of confessed to my coach was, I don't, I, I could be a therapist. I'd be a really good therapist. But I don't want to work with assholes. <laughs> and, you know, sure. So enough, again, I repeat what I said <laughs> last exactly. time. You chose corporate America, which is loaded full of assholes <laughs> who are dysfunctional. So <laughs> Yes. Well, and amazing people. Right. Yeah. I think that um, our systems and the ladders that we create in, in our organizations create this sort of tension and competition and all that kind of stuff that, that, that pits us against each other and creates sort of asshole behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sometimes but, that's but cultural yeah. too, right? It's, yes. it's, 
it's encouraged in, in, in one of your recent podcast episodes, you made mention of an organization that we know and hold dear to our hearts and the culture of that organization was such that that behavior was rewarded. Yeah. Rewarded. Yeah. And it was really, um, um, sort of a dog eat dog competitive, um, tons of backstabbing that would happen. Um, you know, ladder climbing, sharp elbows organization. Yeah. It's a very yeah. sharp, sharp elbows organization. I like that. I like yeah. that. So from the perspective of the work that you're doing now, you know, you, you chose these, this very alliterative three word slogan for your, for your business. That's just talk lazy branding. <laughs> well, talk to us a little bit about, you know, just some of the, some of the lessons that you've learned stories that you've picked up in this you know, transform, transition, transcend kind of coaching mindset. I'm sure you've had some pretty, pretty interesting clients along that path. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I have had definitely um, a lot of people in transition, but that's, that's where transition came from in the first place, because all of my core as a, as a corporate communicator and you HR people know this too. I mean, we, we work hand in glove all the time on, on transitions within an organization, whether it's a restructure or, um, you know, a new cultural initiative or a new rollout of a big product or, or um, you know, M&A. It's all transition, right? And it's, and it's, there's, there's this constant state of something's changing and we need to transition and we need to refocus um, and we need to pivot, right? People are saying pivot and then, you know, like you're in the middle of the M&A and they're like, we just have to swivel. Right, which is just you know repetitive pivoting, <laughs> um, and and so that was the work I knew, and that was the work actually that bridges so well into coaching, um, because that transition and that ability to be agile and be change agile and not have change fatigue and you know try to try to take those transitions and find the opportunities in them. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was sort of skimming, skimming the surface with like, you know, 10, 15% of what I could influence the organization to do in terms of what they could consider. Um, coaching really allows me to kind of deepen into that and say, okay, so it's not just what you tell your people and how you engage with your employees and how you engage with the media and investors, but like, you know, how are we going to culturally like, you know, think about this transition in a way that's more holistic but better than transition and better than the repetitive swiveling is transforming, right? Um, we think about this particular organization that we talked about. And in the, in the, I was there for eight years, but I would say in the last five years that I was there, six, six years that I was there, we did eight humongous acquisitions and mm-hmm. tried to integrate those. And there was always a transition because we were adding people on and, you know, synergies and taking the best of the best. But we came to a point where you had to transform the business because it, you can't just keep cobbling on to the ship, new ships, and have it be a cohesive whole. So being able to then, you know, take it to that next level and really transform into something different, something that, that you know, takes a synthesis and puts everything together and and make something a little more reasonable whole. I would say that's where I joined that company. They were really like trying to knit together so many things that had, they had built from the ground up. You have to transform to the next maturity level. Transcendence for me is, I was about to swear really hard. 
getting Do it. That, go, go. Getting the, getting the fuck out of your own way. Yes. Right. <laughs> Transcendence is, is being able to get an altitude and the elevation of perspective that allows you to not just see the sum of the parts that are that are here and the assets that you have and the gaps that you have, but but really transcending your old beliefs, your old habits, the way we've always done stuff, which I hate, um, and and creating something new and something that is more fulfilling, more supportive. Um, you know, tra- transcendent leadership to me. Um, really takes the the leader out of their own head and and you know allows them to see you know what's what's going to be good for all of these people and what are the ripples that that my actions are going to take from this altitude. So that's how I came to that that um, lazy branding with the uh, you know three words and alliteration. I love it. Um, your approach is, is is not just about work though, right? It's 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 a whole person approach, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There there are some of those um, some of those <laughs> assholes that say, "Why are you qualified to coach me? You've never been a C level person." And I'm like, "Are you are you living? Are you alive? <laughs> I, I can coach your life. Like it, like you're a human being, right? Mm-hmm. For me." Um, Re regaining Brene Brown said this, um, and I, I don't, I can't even remember which one. I think it was in um, the power of vulnerability, which is actually an audio um, file is where I heard it. But she said, I think that's where it was. Sorry. I'm, if I'm misattributing, but she said in adolescence, we sort of start lopping off pieces of ourselves in order to mm-hmm. be accepted. Right. And, and certainly we do that as we come into an organization my, my nose ring did not last that long in, in the organization, right? Because eventually I decided it was time that I needed to get rid of that. Even though I interviewed with it, that was important to me. Edgy. Um, you're, you're edgy, edgy. as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming to this, this stage in life, this, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, um, especially if you haven't really, you know, recognized it, we have this longing, this need to reintegrate ourselves, to bring ourselves back to wholeness, to, you know, oh God, I used to love to play the guitar. I want to do that again. Or, um, you know, I used to love to paint. I want to do that again. Or I used to have more fun, like, and I did things that were uh, like more adventurous than just a happy hour every, every Thursday. Um, and so I think that coaching the whole person and their and where they're showing up attitudinally and with their energy and their frequency is is more of a trans transcendent transformation than just you know kind of working the problem. I'd rather I'd rather search for the opportunity than work a problem. And for me, finding that opportunity create, um, requires a 360 view of all of the inputs and outputs of your life and what you believe and, and what you stand for and what your strengths are so that you can sort of filter the world through that and, and um, pick and choose where your spots are. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, we, we talk about this notion of transformation and, and transcendence. Um, <clears throat> You you've been off the radar a little bit lately, mm. and you 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 put out a 
a Facebook live video. You peeked out into the I burped. world. I burped. I burped. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you made reference to re-emerging. Would, would you mind sharing with the gang here just a little bit about that story, right? How you found yourself pulling back and what compelled you to, to burp in yeah. front of everybody? Yeah. Um, as humans, I think we're cyclical some of us more than others. And I've always known this about myself, right? I have cycles. I was very surprised that this happened during the summer because usually my cycle is winter. Um, but you know, there's some, there's, there's more energy at certain times for us, right? Wait, is there a puppy? The puppy! puppy. <laughs> <laughs> the chat box is in the way of the puppy. How do I move this little blurb? Okay, there's a puppy. Oh my God, puppy! Um, so I was surprised to find myself in, in what I, what my coach Allison Crow calls bug soup. Um, and it's the, it's the metaphor of the caterpillar becoming a butterfly, right? And so transition is the caterpillar getting, getting, the, getting him or herself up to the branch. Transformation is bug soup to me, right? Trans, transforming into something different requires disintegration, requires uh, quiet, requires, um, um, yeah, a hibernation of sorts for me. And I think mm -hmm. for many people, this, this can be true. Um, but this hibernation was rough. COVID was rough. Um, my, my ability to, so I am an introvert. And I, at first I was like, oh, problem no sweat right. I've been working from home all the time and now I don't have to go fill a seat at a dinner I didn't want to go to um but I realized that like those external things that trigger me into coming out of my introversion were not there anymore mm. and and mm -hmm. and so without forcing that or or setting up a structure or a system or a routine Jenny that allowed me to um to uh, have that external pressure, external stimulation. I, I, you know, I kind of did this. I was still serving my amazing clients really powerfully. I got a glut of them out of, out of the shutdown, um, which was beautiful. Um, but I just, I was just on my own and for my own growth and my own business, I was really pretty flat and I didn't, you know, I had started this podcast. I was, you know, slamming on one a week and I just went, Boom into nothing. And for a while I thought, Oh my God, I got to do something. I got to go. And then when I just let it be, and I realized I'm just in bug soup right now, I'm trying to fly. And I don't like, I'm literally a mush. Like there's, there's no recognizable anything for me right now. I'm not a caterpillar and I'm not a butterfly right now. Mm -hmm. And so when I gave myself the grace to be there, and, you know, I did this with reminders from my coach. Coaches can help us do this. Um, it allowed me to, to come out of that chrysalis um, with, with a lot more tenderness for mm -hmm. myself and others. And so, so that's, that, that was the bug soup. I would say um, I'm still sort of sitting on the branch, letting my wings dry right now. <laughs> and this is a nice drying exercise being here with you guys. Um, but, but because I did that, uh, I feel fresh. I feel like I have, um, you know, some new ideas. I have 
I honestly have some more um, innate confidence along with some curiosity and freshness and beginner's mind again, that feels really good. And, you know, somebody said the other day, I'm glad you're feeling better. And I was like, I wasn't really feeling bad. Like if we see bug soup as part of the natural uh, evolution of transformation and we allow ourselves the grace to be there, it doesn't feel bad, right? It just feels like necessary and a pause. Yeah. When we talked the other day, you you mentioned surrendering to it, mm-hmm. right? Giving yourself the the permission to yeah. to be in that spot and i think i think we struggle with that as a culture and you know just as as professionals who are you know trying to be at the top of our game and you know with with covid comes all the extra pressure for a lot of folks of of having to prove their worth and and make sure that they're still seen as being valid contributors to the machine mm-hmm. um, we don't often give ourselves permission to be where we are um, and we we punish ourselves when when we find ourselves in that very soupy space mm-hmm. um, because it's culturally perceived as weakness. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly, exactly. And, and 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 you know that all that does is keep us stuck there longer, right? Heaping judgment on top of you know something that's unfamiliar and and different. Um, only clouds the matter and only keeps us there longer. Yeah. <clears throat> my, my daughter has a sticker on the mirror in her bathroom right over there that says, how you talk to yourself matters. Yeah. And I love that. I love that sticker. Um, and yet, you know, <laughs> I've been wrestling with my own journaling habit and usually it starts off like, well, you're a big fat loser and nice job getting nothing done yesterday. Right. And, and I have to actually catch it and and reframe it. And it's it's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. It is. And 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 in doing that in this paradigm of perpetual uncertainty and you know low grade anxiety all day, every day. Um what advice do you have for, for us to to give ourselves a little grace to break that pattern? it's a great question. And one that that's made me stutter as people have been asking me this all through COVID, because what I don't want to do is add, right. We don't want to add another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and not, but, and <laughs> um, those foundational practices of mindfulness and intentionality and consciousness are the only thing that work, right? It's, it's that, that there's, you can't exercise it out. You can't make a list and, and fix, fix anxiety. Um, It is, it is literally slowing down that thought pattern because our thoughts create our emotions, which create a result or an action, right? That's like coaching Mm -hmm. 101. What are the thoughts that you're thinking? What are the, what are the emotions that, that are coming about as a result of that? And what, what action do you take when you feel that feeling? And if we don't slow that down and we don't interrupt the thought pattern. You know, it's like rinse, lather, repeat. rinse and repeat, right? Yeah. Um, so, so the advice that I've been giving is 
what are your foundations? They don't have to be 45 minute rituals in the morning, but what are the foundations that you have? My foundations are, um, you know, 20 minutes of movement, stretching in the morning, 10 minutes of meditation and journaling as long as I can, right? Just clearing out morning pages, blah, blah, blah. I told you, Eric, the other day that I follow, um, Tim Ferriss's Tim Ferriss, uh, yeah. yeah, Tim Ferriss's uh, journal, daily journal, which is three things I'm grateful for, mm-hmm. uh, three things I want to experience today, and three affirmations that I'm working on for myself. Like so, I finish my day with all that, and so if my morning pages are, God, I got a crappy night's sleep last night, I have a lot to do. Okay, that's fine. Gratitude, experience, affirmation. Um, so those, those are really foundational for me, for me also, even through the bug soup. So I, I'm doing this like almost every day, Saturdays and Sundays, maybe not. Maybe I'll sleep in instead. Um, I know that movement helps me and whatever movement that means for you, right? Getting that body moving, you know, getting in touch, getting integrated with the body. So important. Um, I stopped drinking altogether. I know that's heresy on the corporate bartender, but um, you know, I just knew for myself that that was not feeding the 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 nutritional soup that I was needing to float in. And so, you know, what what works for you? What is supportive? What's nourishing to your body and your soul um, during times like this? Yeah. I love it. <clears throat> during times like this, uh, you started a podcast. I sure did. That's fun. And it's <laughs> and it's it's called conscious leadership, but it's not really called conscious leadership. No. Nope. When you go look at it and you see the title screen, it's called self-conscious leadership with the word self scratched out. So yes. and, and you started this amidst lockdown. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. How did it come to be? What why did you decide to be a podcasty person? Um well, other than just wanting to be rich and famous someday and not, not being able to do that without having some sort of voice in the world. Um, hey, and you, you, you could entertain tens of people at a time. I know. I do. I do. <laughs> I am up to like 44 listens to one of my podcasts. Woo! Um, it, for me, it was, it, was a, it, it was a thing that I added. It was a thing that I, that I always said, I have something to say but I'm afraid to use my voice. And so it was a direct challenge from my coach to say, cause I was like, I'm thinking about starting a podcast and you know how you do that thing. And it just like goes for months and months mm-hmm. and months. And you realize that you're 30 years later and you haven't done the thing. And I, I need a microphone and I need a, you know, one of those like halo lights that people have. And I need, I like the studio and she's like, no, you need this and you need anchor which is a, which is a, you know, like a little app that you can do your podcast on. And I want you to do it by Friday. <laughs> so, so where, where do you do your podcast, Jen? In my closet. <laughs> you can hear the echo in here because we have wood floors. And so I literally go, we have a 1924 little house in Park Hill, uh, Colorado. And the, the closets are literally like this big. So my, my clothes are like perfect sound barrier. So I just take my computer and I go into my closet and I'm, that's where I'm talking to you from. <laughs> you know, necessity. I just want to, I want to be, 
I just wanted people to be able to picture that while they're listening to you <laughs> this week <laughs> with the coat sleeve hanging down over your laptop. And- Even funnier. So the doorknobs in my house are original 1920s doorknobs. Last week, I got stuck in my closet. I couldn't get out. I had to text my <laughs> husband and tell him to come let me out. <laughs> no joke. No, and, this is not an exaggeration. And and I, I know Skip, did he come right away? He did. Or- <laughs> Thank goodness he was home. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So, so you started this thing. And um, one of the things that, that I noticed about it right away is it's, it's, it's a, it's a hero's journey story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And every, every week we learn a little bit more about our intrepid hero. And, and that intrepid hero is, is you. Is me. Um, that, that was ballsy for me. Um, in two things here. The the fellow that I first worked for in um, in PR and communications, his name was Josh, really avuncular uh, older guy. Um, he always used to tell me, we're star makers, not stars, right? So it was very discouraged to be in front of the camera, very discouraged to be on stage, very discouraged to sort of like insert opinion here. And the other thing is just, um, you know, your own insecurities and worthiness issues. Who, who wants to hear from me, right? But I realized that that is actually what's holding me back from reaching out to some of the more exciting people that I do want to work with and see if they need support. Um, because my human journey always felt, I always felt like I was apologizing for it, right? Mm-hmm. I always felt like I was apologizing for um, showing up in the boardroom because I was just the communications person. Um, <laughs> well, all these, all these, just the HR people, we get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I thought, you know, I have been so, and you can listen to the very first podcast, which describes it in painful detail how I felt working at that company, and it, and it was that that way from the day one to you know year eight. Um, is just this constant, like, am I, do I belong here? Am I making myself too visible? Am I saying that too loud? Am I going to get in trouble? Um, just, it just so so self-conscious, right? Feeling simultaneously invisible and, and morally repugnant in rooms, right? I mean, like that. And, um, and I realized if I can't get over that, if I can't drop the self out of self-consciousness, um, then I'm no good to anybody. And, and I'm going to reclaim the kind of amazing things that I've done in my career, right? Um, it's true. I have done, you know, run, like led at a very young age with very little experience, huge integrations and, and acquisitions. Um, I have helped companies transform their culture and, you know, determine their values and, and be able to talk about those. Um, you know, I've done world travel. I've raised two amazing children, you know, from the time I was 19. Um, I do a lot of endurance stuff too, which I always sort of say, ah, it just keeps me busy, but they're pretty amazing things that I do. And, if anybody else can be inspired by this person who is trying to see herself as a hero 
who felt a little morally repugnant or not welcome in a boardroom, you know, not too long ago, then I think that um, that's who I want to talk to. I love that. <clears throat> and Jed, let's be clear. You are a goddamn hero, right? <laughs> you, Thanks. You, you've earned that badge. And I, I, I loved that you put it out there. Um, Jen, how do people find you if they want to follow up with you after this conversation? Um, because I'm getting the sense from, from comments that I'm getting private chat that they're digging it. So awesome. How, how, do, how do we find you? I would love to talk to anybody. Um, uh, JenThurman.com is my website. Jen at JenThurman.com uh, is my email. Um, you can find me at Conscious Leadership with Jen Thurman, where you get your podcasts. And I am public on Facebook as well and LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to continue the conversation and, and just network and get to know all of you and see what you're up to. would be an honor. Yeah. And Jen, Jen has joined us on the Bartender Network. So you'll see yeah. her over there as well. Guys, does anybody have questions for Jen today? Lori chats in. Thank you so much, Jen. Inspiring. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mark's got a question. Go ahead, Mark. Never, never being the shy one here is the non-HR <laughs> person, I might add. Jen, this is the third time in seven days I've heard from a female. I, too, am starting my second career in coaching, but they say that they feel they have no voice. Yeah. Why, do you say, why did you say that with a very accomplished I'll say career and moving to your next level, but why would you feel someone at the age of 25, 30? I think I know the obvious answers, but tell me what I don't know of why they feel they have no, no voice is, especially as they are now becoming frontline managers, first time managers. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's the, the inner uh, workings of a person's decision-making process to speak or not to speak. And then there's the systemic um, sort of cultural dynamics that go on around them. Um, working with the inner demons that I have, it's just a worthiness issue, right? It was, if I can't say something and, and I have a bit of perfectionist in, you know, perfectionist in me, if I can't say something that's going to be radically life-changing and completely original, I better just shut up. Right. Yeah. What I've learned over the years is actually my, and I know this because, and this is what makes me an amazing facilitator and had made me an amazing facilitator in those boardrooms is I actually can, can say things a little bit differently to promote better understanding, right? So it's not, it's not like it's a genius new idea that I've got, but my perspective, whether it's the hero's journey on self-conscious leadership or facilitating or coaching, my perspective and my unique way of seeing that through my filter and lens is resonant with some people, right? That it, that it can translate for folks. Um, but, but the worthiness issue is, you know, am I, Am, am I, is what I have to say important enough to speak up? And then you get to the external dynamics of that, right? I have, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I have been mansplained so many times mm -hmm. in my career um, where uh, at finally towards the end, I started like standing up and saying, I'm pretty sure I just said that, but thanks for, you know, sort of confirming that's what I said. Right. right. Um, and so there is a, 
there, there are dynamics in organizations and, you know, some worse than others that actually um, sort of systemically underrepresent and underinvite female and other voices. Um, so being able to, in an organization, I know you're a coach, but, but in an organization, being able to support and, and start to recognize um, and invite, overtly invite other voices, um, I think is really important. But from a coach perspective, it is really, how do we get grounded in the worthiness of what it is that you have to say and the confidence to say it? And then I obviously need to take it that next level up who I've already coached at the director level to really give them the feedback to say, you know what, there are folks that don't feel like they're being heard. Mm -hmm. So now how can I help you appreciate those different perspectives and recognize those perspectives? Because these are the folks that are coming from your team. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. One of my favorite prompts, I think that, that we talked about this the other day, Eric, I'm not sure, talked about it sometime this week. Um, one of one of my favorite prompts is without without really saying, okay, we're going to look for diversity here. Just think about the introverts in the room. If you just think about it, introvert, extrovert. What my favorite prompt is, okay, who are my introverts in the room? Would you like to be invited to speak? Right? Doesn't put them on the spot, but allows space in the conversation for other opinions. And that that's so true, right? In, introverts need the space and probably won't jump into the fray without being invited. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Any other questions for Jen guys? I just, I was kind of reflecting on the, um, you said something about being ballsy. <laughs> and, uh, I, I had a situation where I was at the same employer for 18 years. So I started when I was 25. Wow. We're we don't hear that very often. Yeah. Um, pros and cons to that. Uh, but, but I had reached a point, you know, and I progressed in my career. I just was doing it within the same organization, really attached to the mission and my team specifically. But there was, you know, as per usual, dysfunction in a lot of different ways. And at a certain point, I realized that because I had grown up there, I took with me this, this, lack of confidence in that, you know, I don't have important things to say, like that just kind of stuck with me, even as I continue to progress. And so when I finally left, because I recognized I was getting institutionalized there, like I was like, trying to look over the wall, what are you guys doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> and I was getting my master's degree. And that was probably the, the best thing I ever did, because it surrounded me with different people, right. And so I, I took a big step and I left and I, I took a pay cut and I took a demotion in from, from leadership to, you know, something different because I wanted to do the thing that I loved. I didn't want to do a slice of what I loved and all the crap I hated. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do the thing I loved. And Congratulations. So, <laughs> so what, what that allowed me to do it, and I don't know, I don't know. I don't remember having the conscious thought of like, I'm going to show up differently, but I just did show up differently. And I just started saying shit, mm -hmm. right. Instead <laughs> of that filter that you're always like, eh, I'm thinking this, I don't know. Should I say this? And I just started stuff and I yeah. kind of put myself out there to say, if they don't like it, that's okay. But right. 
I have things to say. And so you brought me here to do this. So I'm going to say them and it's, it's gone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it's identity, right? You had, you had your identity at the previous organization. Hang on one second, guys. My cat Peter just went off. It's very loud. <laughs> I got the good office, which means I got the cat Peter and the cat box. <laughs> mm, both. I didn't want a cat. You got the in and the out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have a dog. Just, just, just saying. Um, you had your identity wrapped up in, in a, um, in an old story right? In that, in that old role. And that old role, you know, as you said, really wisely carried through those, those rules, right? I'm, I'm new here. I'm young here. I can't talk. Sometimes being in a new environment, we get to reinvent ourselves. I do a ton of work with people around embodying the next level, right? getting like, again, it's transcending the old level story and the old level rules and making new rules and really embodying what that sort of executive leadership looks like or the director level or the VP level or whatever it is. Um, but the fact that you just kind of innately did it for yourself and gave yourself that freedom was, that's really like pat yourself on the back there. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she, she she high fives herself it's a- she's pretty awesome i i, I will it. say that too I, I, and she teaches me new things every single day and empowers me and helps me to become better and so i'm grateful for you Lori lance yay <laughs> awesome Jen, thank you so much for hanging oh out gosh. with us today. I feel like I talked too much uh, because we've gone way over, but this was so much fun to be here in this room with you guys and um, just being able to share community. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. We loved it. Loved every second of it. Guys, you know how to, how to, how to find Jen now. Um, let's do some funny stuff and get on out of here for the day. Um, Today, today's funny stuff. I had a couple feel good, funny things just because I thought we could use some feel good, funny stuff today. So <laughs> this is the first one. Here comes the sun. <laughs> this is for dog people. Sometimes adults need gold stars too. And it says things like, I only cried once today. That's fab. Look at you eating food. <laughs> you got outside today. That's so awesome. You put pants on. Yay, you. (laughs) This one just made me laugh. Netflix used to come in the mail. (laughs) Sure, Grandma, let's get you to bed. (laughs) What is BSDM? (laughs) Bitch, social distancing matters. (laughs) And my favorite funny thing of today... Every family has its secrets, and after sitting in on my daughter's Zoom class, let me tell you this, those secrets are now public. <laughs> oh, and today's semi-quarantine cocktail is the third wave. It's inspired by an article I read with Jared Polis today. Um, it's a riff on the painkiller, because why not? You need a little bit of rum, 
followed by the third consecutive seven-day period of increasing cases in Colorado. You're going to need some pineapple juice uh, and a significant outbreak among 18 to 25-year-olds. I believe the number is 1,200 CU students are now positive for COVID-19. Little cream of coconut. Uh, these numbers are the <laughs> the test positivity ratings over the uh, increases over the last three weeks. It was a two percent increase week over week, and then a six percent increase, and then last week was a fifty four percent increase. Colorado because had been we hovering. set because we sent our best and brightest, right? <laughs> right. Colorado had been hovering right around two hundred some odd cases a day for the last month or so, and we're back over 700, I think, today. Because um, here we go again. Um, so yeah, mix one up and have it for breakfast. It has nutmeg on it. So I thought that was I thought that was an interesting poll. Why not? The third wave. Why not? Guys, thank you so much. Jen, you were amazing. I'm so grateful for you and and to have you here and become part of this community. Uh, guys, I say it every week. Wednesdays are my favorite days, and I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Bye. Jen. Thanks, Bye. Eric. Thank you. Maury. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the Corporate Bartender.